Welcome to Investor Talk Radio, hosted by Kurt Davis. During the show, Kurt will share tips and strategies as well as guest interviews on how you can become a successful real estate investor. Kurt Davis was a former chef for 11 years until one day had the opportunity to take a leap of faith, left cooking, and became a full-time real estate investor. Kurt has been building his personal portfolio of rental property and at the same time has helped over 500 investors around the globe purchase cash-flowing rental properties. He is a licensed realtor who has achieved multi-million dollar club status, and he is also very active in the local real estate investment club. And now, here is your host, Kurt Davis. Welcome back to another edition of Investor Talk Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Davis, and today joining me again, as he has many times in the past, Alex Craig of Memphis Turnkey. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kurt, and thank you for having me back on. Uh, I had, um, you know, went against one of my cardinal rules before doing anything that needs to be productive, and I went and ate Mexican food and had a lot of chips. So if I sound or look a little sluggish, that's the reason why. <laughs> Uh, those chips were fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So one of the one of the reason why I wanted to bring you in and and talk with you today is we're going to kind of talk about the because like I say you you know just for the listeners out there you and I really in essence we do the same thing we are turnkey providers here in Memphis so what that basically means if someone does not know what turnkey is is we basically purchase distressed homes we make the renovations and then property management places quality tenants for investors is that a pretty very simple basic yeah I mean I think that's the basic term I think the uh, the term you know or the basic definition of turnkey but I do think it's something that has been watered down where Anybody who is engaging in selling property to other investors considers considers himself a turnkey or buys a property, puts some carpet and some paint on, calls themselves turnkey. But I think uh, I think it goes way beyond that. Uh, absolutely, you know that's a that's probably a whole another podcast show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to talk with you today because this is something that has kind of come up in our process of working with investors. Um, is in regards to it's a combination of two things number one the way we renovate homes and also it has to do with what investors are looking for kind of along the lines of positive cash flow and the return on investment and that definitely affects how we renovate homes so um you know, Alex, obviously I, the, the listeners out there can't see this, but, you know, we have a sheet in front because what I did here, just so you know, listeners, is that uh, I took an actual example of a home here that uh, I got a renovation estimate from one of my clients. Now, there's a large laundry list, and this is stuff that I actually walked through with our contractor. You know, just to give you a quick idea, the home needs new siding, a new 30-year shingle roof, uh, interior paint. Uh, full, all new floor and HVAC hot water tank, renovating both bathrooms. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty sizable list that adds up to $29,075. Now, at least for us, Alex, that's on average, that's about ten dollars to $12,000 higher than what an average renovation would be for us. I mean, what, what, are, what are your guys' average renovations? Well, I would say we're right around $25,000, but it varies. You know, if we put a roof, you know, but typically if we're doing a our normal rehab with a roof and HVAC system, we're going to be right around twenty five thousand, sure. give or take, you know, a couple. Sure. So with this example, after I come up with my renovations, in order for us to hit our projected target profit, 
we have to sell this house for $79,900. What that looks like to the investor buyer is that after they after the home is rented out and they've put their uh, 20 year, uh, 20% down financing with their PITI and property management expenses, we're going to produce about $286 a month in gross cash flow with a gross return on investment of about 18%. Now, we try to come as close to $300 a month in gross monthly cash flow. That's kind of a target. That's where we're trying to go. Now, with this example here, uh, with the, with the amount of renovations that needed, obviously the renovations pushed it over uh, our budget a little bit, but I feel that we need to spend the $29,000 to do the renovation to how, I guess what we what would I'd say our standard is that we've come up with over the last 12 to 18 years with the types of products we put in. So, um, so the the real question here now is Alex is and, and and have you experienced anything like this with uh, investors uh, looking for a set or like kind of like a baseline of what they're looking for with cash flow and returns? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where you know a lot of investors make mistakes because they make decisions based on um, a performa or some spreadsheet they've developed, and you know they look at something like a, a seventy three thousand dollar house. You know, in a seventy-nine thousand-dollar house, they could be side by side, but because one is cheaper, they automatically think, "Well, this is the way they want to go," and they sort of kind of ignore what's in the house. For investors, you know, the the appraisal tells you what the market conditions are, and they tell you what that house is actually worth. Um, you know, if you're put on the retail market, but to really an investor, the house is, you know, to me, the value of the house is worth. You know what's in the house, the cash flow. Um, two houses side by side, and one had carpet throughout, and the other had you know upgraded into the floor. Obviously, you're going to have more cash flow on the house that's a little bit more expensive. So, I think the kind of the, the takeaway from what I'm trying to say is, you know, your the value of a house as an investor is the cash flow you're going to make, and sometimes that can't always be accomplished by trying to get the cheapest possible price because that house is lacking some things that will reduce some vacancy and maintenance down the road. Well, and, and I couldn't agree more. And it's like with this with this list here that I have where I where I state that the renovation is going to be, you know, a little over 29000 So I, I looked at the list of all the items that we were going to repair here, and, and I tried to look at it from a standpoint of where could I cut corners so that I could provide the house <laughs> at a lower price but still hit our projected Profit. So, you know, for example, looking at the list here, um, rather than do the all brand new siding, let's just, you know, uh, do the exterior with with uh, wood siding. That's going to save a thousand there. Uh, rather than put on a thirty year architectural shingle roof, let's just put on a standard uh, three tab twenty year. Save some money there. Uh, let, let's let's alter the flooring. Let's you know let's not put in granite countertops. Let's just put on standard formica. Um, let's not update both bathrooms fully, you know, because they're, they're, they're a little outdated, but not too bad, you know, so let's just do some flooring in there, uh, you know, and I've really kind of kind of developed a plan here to, to lower the renovation from $29,075 to $23,575. So what that has allowed me to do in this example is I can now lower the price to $74,400 if the big if factor is if the home rents up for the same amount. Uh, in this example, the gross cash flow would be three hundred and fifteen dollars, and with a gross gross ROI of twenty percent. Now, the monthly cash flow went up by twenty nine dollars, and my ROI went up by two percent. So the you know the, the the kind of the big what if question out there, and every investor is different. Is is 
are they going to want to – would they rather have the house with a nicer renovation and pay a little bit more? If you really stop and think about it, they're 20% down is, uh, what, maybe just another 1000 out of their pocket. Mm-hmm. Or would they rather have not as nice of a renovation just because they want to make another $29 in cash flow? Yeah, you know um – a classic example of this is we've got a, a great client of ours. He bought one of our turnkey homes last year. And I don't recall the numbers, but sold for maybe ninety nine thousand, rented for a thousand ninety five. Uh, total rehab job we did. We went in there with all the bells and whistles that we normally do: ceramic tile floor, vinyl plank in the high traffic areas, new vanities, fixtures, and so forth. Just uh, outstanding, great looking house. Certainly retail ready for the area. And a couple of months later, he was. Um, he said he really wanted to find some house with equity, and I was like, "Well, that's not really what we do. You know, we got to to get like you're saying to get your house on your example from seventy nine nine to seventy four four. You've got to scale back on some things, and typically that's not what we want to do because we know um, we know that the investment will be a lot more successful. The turnover, the vacancy, will be that much better with spending a little bit more for the house, so we could rehab it right. So, long story short. A friend of mine had had a long-term tenant in the house, and he was like, hey, um, we're redoing our house and the kitchen and everything else that we had projected. It's like three times as much. I really need to raise some money. So I was like, well, I might be able to help you out. So basically, we sold him a house for and somewhere around 79000 I don't remember the exact numbers. And I think this one also rented for 1050 so we had 99000 1095 and 79000 1050 So obviously, the numbers look better on that $79,000 house. And I had to say, you know, um, we'll just call him Jim. Jim, you know, you're going to do an inspection, but the guy's probably not going to do too much work. You know, uh, to him, he's giving you a good deal. So he's fine with everything. So the air conditioner was, you know, 18, 20 years old, three months after the purchase, a new air conditioning. Um, hot water tank was a little bit older, having a little problems with that. And the tenants turned in their notice to move out, and we've done their brief little walkthrough and the vinyl floor is just shot uh, so he's looking at a lot of expensive uh, turn cost not to mention the air conditioner that he had just had to put in then we that's when we made the conscious decision we really don't want to sell houses to anybody else anymore unless it's one of our models because he's kind of upset and we're like well jim you know this other house and you know we we had these conversations and you wanted some equity we brought you a deal you had an inspection and so i think you know the point to the story is well, he got some equity to make him feel good and some paper returns because the house wasn't renovated to a, on the front end for to position him for long-term success by reduced cash flow, I mean by reducing maintenance and vacancy. He's not making that much money on the house. And I got a feeling once this next rent ready comes up and a few things, he'll, he'll get on track, but then he's going to be kind of back in pretty close to where he bought the other home. So he didn't really save any money. Sure. He just deferred the the money into the house to a later date. Absolutely. And, you know, looking back on this on this list I have here, you know, with this house doing the renovations my way, you know, and like I say, this is, you know, there's several different ways you could, you know, we could look at this example, and I'm sure we've experienced these many different ways. You know, obviously in this example, uh, okay, great. Rather than do, for example, a 30-year architectural shingle roof, we're going to do a standard uh, three-tab 20-year shingle roof. Well, technically, they're still getting a brand new roof one way, one way or another. Uh, same thing with the HVAC system and, and some other things. Well, the big question is, is what happens when, like, like your company, our company, for example, we buy a distressed home and we look at the HVAC system and it's 
12, 13 years old, but it works. You've sent your HVAC tech out there and everything works. They've serviced it. Uh, for some investors, that's fine. But for other investors, they're going to look at that as, as well. It's 13 years old. They typically last 15 to 20. Does it need to be replaced or not? And I think a lot of that comes uh, based on how we price these homes. So the real question is, is do they want to spend a little bit more to get that home renovated the way you guys would ideally want to renovate it? Or, Well, you know, um, it's kind of a catch-22. They want the best possible price, which I don't, you know, everybody does. Sure do. I would too. But they want everything to be new also. With us, the air conditioners, about that 10-year to 12-year mark is when we replace them. Um, air conditioners down here, you've lived down here for long enough to know. I mean, it's June the 10th. Correct. And it's 95 degrees out today. Those ACs are running nonstop. Uh, we manage about 450 homes here in Memphis. Our number one calls right now are AC calls. And they're all calls by properties that we didn't sell or renovate, uh, had older units, and just constantly, and all the properties that we've sold turnkey with uh, brand new air conditioning units are having very minimal issues. And if it's a call, if it's a call out to one of those, uh, it's typically something else, uh, wire, a thermostat, something to that effect. Uh, condensate line got blocked up. So, yeah, I guess to answer your question, they do, you know, they do want new air conditionings. They know the, you know, but it's all relative. You know, you you can't in your example, you can't have it for seventy four four. And then get everything new because you know it's just a lot of cost going into it. And but I mean, I totally think that um, it makes total sense to put all this stuff new in on the front end if it's beyond that ten to twelve year lifespan. Sure. Do you find that with with some of the investors that you work with, um, say say you have a property where you've, you know, like in this example, you've spent close to thirty thousand dollars on a full renovation, and they you would think that, you know, why would you not want to purchase this home? It's got a a lot of new components, which should lower that deferred maintenance and should help with turnover, minimize the expenses. But they don't want to buy it because it's the the cash flow is $14 lower than some pro forma that told them that that's what they should, or they read something online where this is how it's supposed to be. How, How do you help educate investors to look at the bigger picture? Because I would think that with a nicer renovated home, you know, you're minimizing these long-term expenses. And I've had situations before where I've bought properties of my own in the past, and I maybe didn't do a full renovation like I wanted to just because at the time I was going to be trying to save a few bucks. But within two to four years, guess what I was doing? Almost another full renovation to the home. Yeah, the uh, the piper's going to call eventually. And for investors putting 20% down, it makes total sense to – do the upgrades to you know make the rehab nicer, uh, put the new roofs, the new air conditioners. Think about it this way: so you've got um, you know an air conditioner system for three thousand dollars, a roof for fifty-seven. So at sixty-seven, that's what eighty-seven hundred, and throwing a hot water tank, so you're about nine or ten grand. And on, and let's say all those things were ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, in ten years, you got to come out of pocket with that. Think about how much ten thousand dollars in cash flow on three hundred dollars a month. How many years that's going to take away? Something we've been educating our investors that they should really consider is, hey, look, you know, you're going to pay a little bit more for the property, but those $10,000 in upgrades with 20% down is only costing you $2,000 at an interest rate of about 4.5%. Correct. So all of those should last you, those components, roof, HVAC, hot water tank, should last you 20 years. Well, guess what? In 20 years, you're going to have done. Build up equity uh, through your tenant buying it down. 
property should appreciate some. So when you've got ten thousand dollars in capital expenses, you always have that option. Like, look, I could take some equity out. You know, maybe I could take thirty thousand dollars in equity out of the house, do some capital upgrades, and maybe purchase some more real estate, or just take out the bare minimum. Say, look, you know, I don't want to dip in my cash flow. I could uh, take some equity out through a HELOC or, you know, you get 10 years left to pay on it, just refinance it back into a 10-year, but take some, that way you're using the equity in the house to pay for your capital improvements rather than killing your cash flow. Because those are, those are the things that kill your cash flow for two, three, four years. Absolutely. The, the petty plumbing and the petty electrical and the tree branch that falls over and the fence plank that's loose, that's that's not going to hurt you. No. You know, but these things will, and that's why... You know, it makes sense to put them on the front end. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, we're, we're talking. We're, you know, one thing that we're looking at here is, you know, I've been kind of focusing on, you know, the initial renovation when we buy these homes. Distress. This is what we do. Does you know, since you uh, own your own management company, you management in house. How similar is this type of scenario to where when an investor has turnover, you've sent your your general contractor to go in there and to quote a renovation list to get the house what we would call rent ready again, uh, and your investor you know, wants to pick and choose what they want to do or they don't want to do the full list of what you guys recommend to bring it back up. I mean, that probably is going to hurt the possible rentability of the home because it's not going to have a fresh feel similar to when we renovate these homes the way that you and I would like to. But if we had to look at it from a cutting corners perspective, our home is going to probably look like the average of maybe other homes in the area. And I'm going to guess that you, like us, probably like to renovate your houses a, a notch higher than what would maybe be considered neighborhood market standard. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, my homes, I do. I, I bought a fourplex a couple months ago from a good friend of mine in the industry, but different philosophy. He's uh, more of fix it when you need to, put some paint on the wall, throw some cheap 29-cent stick-on tile, and get it rented as quick as possible for six fifty. So I bought it from him, and first tenant moved out, and I'm spending seven thousand dollars getting the outside upgraded, new windows and all that jazz, painting the outside, repair rotten wood, fixing the decks, actually installing central heat and air, uh, but one unit at a time. And then on the inside, spending another six or seven thousand dollars to ceramic tile and new countertops and all the other stuff. Flip side is I'm get eight fifty in rent, and that's the thing too is you got to think about is do you want your house to be a me too? Or do you want it to stand out when it stands out or rent quicker? And typically, we could get a little bit higher. So this neighborhood of mine, which is a, you know, it's just a two-bedroom, one-bath in Midtown, you know, seven fifty is probably the market. I'm trying to get eight fifty, but we'll get seven ninety-five because it looks nice. But uh, you know, I think um, you know, going back to your original question of you know the, the spending the extra and all of that, and I don't want this you know to sound like we're doing a podcast to justify trying to buy a house at retail value or whatever, but it comes down to the value of the house is the condition of the house and how much that house how much that how much money that house will make you. And here's my example. We had a bus tour here and had about thirty people in town and um, we were presenting one of the houses. And you know, everybody's got the internet and everybody's on their phones, on their laptops and a gentleman said, uh, you know, Alex, you're selling this house for sixty nine nine it rent it for I think seven seventy five, seven fifty, seven ninety five, somewhere in that range. But everything else around the neighborhood is selling for sixty. So I was like, "Why? Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up." So let's, you know, we brought them up. We looked at some of the houses, and it was some local landlords selling to hedge funds, whatever. Um, some other turnkey providers that are known for just kind of going in there and doing the bare minimum. So, and we'll call this investor um, Jimmy. 
And we're like, Jimmy, um, you know, if you look at this house, we replaced the roof that was probably 10 years old, which I had another 10 years. The air conditioner was 11 years old, but it worked. And the furnace was 11 years old. So we, we replaced all of those things that worked. And that was about $9,000. So if you back away those things, now I'm selling that house for $60,000. I'm making the same exact amount. And I'm selling you a $60,000 house with a lot of capital expenses within the first you know, five to 10 years. And what you're getting is a warm and fuzzy feeling that you're paying a cheaper price. And on paper, your numbers are looking good. But in the long run, you're not going to make as much money because you're going to have to come out of the pocket, or come out of your pocket to uh, make these repairs. And I'm not so sure that I could get 7.95 for this house next time. It might be 7.50 or 7.75. So I really think some of the, you know, our houses rent really quick. Uh, two reasons: I've got two really, really good leasing agents. I take care of them. Uh, one of them I told him this week, if you get six reservation fees this week, I'll take you to Capital Grill. So he brought in seven. So I was like, well, you brought in seven, so you just get oven mitts. There you uh, go. <laughs> but so no, I'm taking the Capitol Grill for lunch. I said, maybe next week we bring in 10. I'll take you to dinner there. But anyways, uh, so I attributed the two fantastic leasing agents. And the other is what the houses look like. I think some of these people move in these houses. And this is the nicest house they've ever lived in. Um, in, in Memphis, what you have are you have turnkey providers like you and I that do a really good job. And there's some other really good tur- turnkey providers in this town that I have utmost respect for. I've been on bus tours with them, um, hang out with them, and they're doing it right. And those are the houses that are going on the market that are looking good. But then you got a lot of the old dinosaurs, and you know, no, no disrespect to the dinosaurs because a lot of these guys helped me get started, but they're still running their business the way they did in 1998, and they're you know barely doing anything to the houses. And those are the ones that you drive past the neighborhoods like, you know, Fred over there. God, is he ever going to rent that house? Yeah. And they come to find out he rents it for, you know, eight fifty, and I'm over there at nine ninety five, and my house has been rented for three months. Yeah. So, you know, create some demand for the house. You know, we use uh, fantastic online pictures for these features too. So if you're going online and you're driving the neighborhood, like God, you look at the pictures, you look at the the upgrades to the home, and that helps you rent it out quicker. So part of your you know your calculations down here does show at seventy four four. It's a better cash flow in theory. Um, that and it's only in, in for the for the example. I should have maybe made a, uh, an adjustment. My guess is that at the seventy four four price with the with the I, I don't want to call it cutting corners, but call it doing a little bit less. Still doing a good job, but yeah. doing less. I don't think it'll rent for the same. I think there's going to be at least a minimum of a twenty five dollar difference in the rent yeah i think you could get uh because everything's at a rent range you know we say 850 to 895 and i'd say 90 of the time we get the top of market every once in a while you get a guy that comes in and he's got a 750 credit score makes six times the rental amount and that's the guy that can negotiate more and that's a guy like if he wants 850 i'm gonna put him at 850 all day i'll make mm-hmm. him sign a longer lease than our standard 18 month lease but um because then you're reducing the vacancy and you know, those are the ones that you sit back and relax and the check comes in the mail but um, most of the time, you get about $25 more. Um, through my management company, we keep track of uh, how much these people make. And, and most companies require three times the earnings. I think that's slim. Right now, we're at about 4.2% of uh, the income over the rent. So that means they could afford another $25. So if the rent range is, you know, the true rent range is maybe 825 to 850 to 875 we've been able to get 895 So you're able to rent it out for more. And the rentability of the house, the luck will help you, um, you know, reduce vacancy too. And that's something else. 
when the investors look at numbers on a pro forma, because we have a lot, you know, we have investors that really study performance, mm-hmm. and they should. You need to know what the numbers are. But on your 74-4 house, they may have a vacancy of 8%, and but they have the same vacancy as projected if those numbers are 79-9. Well, that vacancy might be a little bit higher over here at 74-4 because maybe it doesn't rent in 30 days. Maybe it takes 60 days to rent out. Sure. Or maybe the maintenance is a little bit higher because there's too much carpet in the house. You know, carpet in bedrooms is fine, but it's not in living rooms and den or just any kind of pass-through traffic area. If they're replacing carpet every three or four. I've seen carpet get replaced on one tenant turn. Um, and it's like, that's have a, you? Yeah, and it's you know that's and it's kind of funny because that's one of the things that we do for a floor. And I actually stole the idea from you when you showed me the vinyl planks uh-huh. that, that we use in the high traffic areas. Um, we just stick to the carpet in the bedroom. So in my seventy nine nine example, that's doing the the planks in the high traffic area and doing carpet uh, in the bedrooms only. And the vinyl plank is more expensive than carpet, but it's it's longer term, going to provide lower maintenance uh, and have to be re- uh, replaced. So on the seventy four four, I have to do all carpet in the house. Yeah, that's and ca- not going to work. No, the uh, the, great thing, the thing about that investor carpet, it looks perfect that first day. It looks so good. Within three months, you're like, what happened to the carpet? You know, that's cheap investor grade carpet at a dollar twenty five a square feet. That pad is small or thin, and the carpet's thin too. So that stuff is just <clears throat> mashed out. And after that first tenant turn, you look at sure. it and you're just like, God, this carpet was new. So it's a really cheap sure. carpet that investors put in. And, and you, like I say, you know, kind of going back to you know the, the idea of putting this podcast together. It's not it, it's not meant to like scold investors or, or get them to pay more. It's really just trying to get them to understand the level of you know what goes into actually renovating a home. Uh, a lot of them don't know that. Uh, for example, we do primarily granite kitchen countertops uh in kitchens and you know the you know we've just got kind of our own standard of what we do depending on what the home is going to need and uh i just i don't know if they understand what actually goes into it and you know that kind of sets companies like you and i apart from the average company who does this yeah i think uh I, i think so too i mean you um when you're done with that project too you look back and you're kind of proud and with me having the management in-house, it's kind of a, a neat moment when you see somebody come in and they're so excited about moving to their house. Maybe it's the first time they've ever had granite. Maybe it's the first time they've ever walked in and they've had, if it went to granite, it's new countertops or new mm-hmm. cabinets. Uh, what we've started doing now, we've always done ceramic tile in the bathrooms on the floor and the shower surrounds. Now, I, I guess I need to back up. A lot of times, some of these older homes have porcelain floors that yes. look good. You know, the, one of the main reasons we do the ceramic tile in the kitchen is to reduce maintenance because vinyl rips. Uh, but that porcelain's pretty heavy duty and it, it works. And when those little, uh, I guess they're three by three squares pop or polished, you could replace them, you know, very minimal cost. But when we are doing full shower surrounds now and ceramic tile floors, like total bathroom gut jobs, you put a little accent around the top and it just looks fantastic. You know, sure. so have your guy put in a little shower box. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff looks great, yeah. you know. And we're always thinking, like, what can we do to make this thing look better, you yeah. know? And, and my guys sometimes look at me like, oh, you know, what are we doing now? And Because, you know, it adds work for them, and but it adds sure. m- more money to them, too. Though, well, so. and, and, and the thing, too, is that, I mean, yes, it's no secret. Does it cost a little extra to, to do a little extra? Sure it does, but like you said, number one, it helps – it shows the investor that you can do nice, nicer work. They're getting better mm-hmm. quality. And then, like you said, on the tenant side, sometimes, you know, depending on the neighborhood where these homes are for rent at, you know, there might be 10 homes for rent within, call it, 
you know a half mile or, yeah. or, or even or even a smaller area and that tenant might be looking at all 10 of those homes so yeah. how does how does your house stand out well, from the rest and i think a lot of it's by doing what we feel need to be done it's like that that's number one that's one of the reasons why we do that type of renovation well and you've got the landscaping down here too and that's really interesting to bring up too because we do that landscaping we put mulch little box woods out uh the little planters if we have to whatever we have to do and this week we had uh we rented a house out on blanding and we had a competitor literally four houses down and they were we asked we had 875 for the ours they were asking 825 and i don't know if theirs rented out but i know ours did so like i said i, I knew that we both had them on the market so at least unless they rented theirs but i think we rented ours first but we had some upgrades to the home but the landscaping is important because i'd say you need to ask me earlier and i never answered the question i apologize do investors push back on some of the things we think they need to do during the rent readies um most of the houses we manage we've already renovated so it's just you know it's already done that way um some of the homes that people have brought to us to manage from other uh, management companies that you know, maybe they weren't happy with their services or what have you. Yeah, they're, you know what we do is say, hey, look, this is what it's going to cost to put it back in the condition that you brought the house in. But these are our suggested things, and this is what it will cost. And sometimes they'll kind of say, well, this time I'll do that, or you know, the next time I'll start replacing. So they'll kind of piece it together. But uh, we get a lot of pushback from the landscaping. We had one investor, you know, say, "Well, you know, one fifty for landscaping is too much." I'm like, "Wow, that's, you know, that's all your mulch. You know, that's a couple bushes you need planted. That's cleaning everything on the outside, and making a planter for it." And I uh, said, so "That's that's what you want. You want your, you know." I one person said, "Well, in in California, you know, your, our management company charges. It's not us. It's our our, our lawn guy." $35 a yard. I mean, would you agree that's cheap? Yes. I mean, are you, have you ever paid more? Not really. Yeah. I mean, 35 is about where you're supposed to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. Even on the big yards, we're like, hey, it's 35 Some of the some of the yards will be a little bit smaller, so it all evens out. But he's like, well, in California, they do it out here for $65 a month. And I just, I can't believe that. You know, I'm like, yeah. no, who, who would do that? I mean, that makes no sense. You know, so if we're going to get beat up, it's on the landscaping. It's, it's totally up to them. But sure. I know for a fact, and like I said, I've got 17 properties myself, that you want your place to look great. Um, and the higher up you go, the more. You know, um, as you get up in rent, the expectations are higher. My stuff in Midtown, that's kind of the A-class area, even though it's smaller rents because they're multifamily, they have a higher expectation too. So, um, you know, we're renovating a home right now for fourteen ninety-five a month, and just finished it up and i just told my project managers like it's got to look like a 14.95 month you know the uh, gatorade bottle can't be laying in the front yard i mean this has to look immaculate Mm -hmm. you know if you know it rains for three straight days we need to have somebody over here cutting the yard you know actually we started spraying yards now too really get the weeds out of the front yard because in the summertime a couple rains and that yard will get overgrown pretty quickly and we schedule 10 day um yard cut so if it rains a lot three days after you get cut by the time it's gonna look like a jungle sure so i actually think you save a little money because uh, you could tell your now your guy hey why don't you push that back to maybe every two weeks to 16 days because the yard's not going to grow as fast because there's no weeds in it sure so landscaping is important that's the one that i would definitely would not cut a corner on and look at your list i mean i don't cut corners on any of this stuff yeah i mean you know that's you know we, we at least on, on our side for our company we've really over the last 18 months really have tried to 
standardize the products that go into this house. And what I, what I mean by that is, is you know, on average, we sell homes in the sixty to a hundred thousand dollar range, and that's repairs included. And if the sixty thousand dollar home needs new kitchen countertops, guess what? That sixty thousand dollar home is getting granite, just right. like that hundred thousand dollar home is getting the same granite. So mm-hmm. it's really the same products, same materials that go into the homes. Uh, that's you know, and it's something that's worked for us. I mean, it, you know, it. I, I would probably say that on a $60,000 home, that would look more like what somebody would say we're over-renovating the home to an extent. But at the same time, uh, you know, in a $60,000 neighborhood, you know, you're trying to attract the best quality tenant that you can. Well, somebody once told me your house will look like your tenant. And I totally believe that because we made it some stuff that the the, uh, the investor doesn't want to do very much. Of course, you get $100 less in rent and then you're tenant looks like that house sure uh, it usually performs like what the tenant looks like too so absolutely it's um you know it's it's certainly worth looking into and you know this is um you know for the investors that buy through us i mean we're creating a brand for them you know yeah. um we run out the houses they look nice and we get some marketing copy that we use to kind of make it stand out but for your listeners that have their own portfolio and either just starting or maybe they're into it for a little bit, but they're, they're continuing to buy, you should really be trying to create a brand for your homes, especially if you're going to be in one market and you're going to have several homes. You could easily create a, a brand, you know, if you're Fred Smith, you want to you know, Fred Smith Investment Homes. Create a cool little sign, uh, take some great pictures and always use those pictures for your marketing purposes. And, you know, put some constant ads on Craigslist, even if you don't have any vacant homes, but advertising it. When your homes go vacant, you can be like, over top, you're like, oh, man, that's, what did I say, Fred Jones or Fred Smith? Smith. Fred Smith, <laughs> Fred Smith whoever. Fred whatever, Jones. Uh, like, that's a Fred Jones home, and you've created a brand. You can't do that with uh, a home that looked like, you know, that you just didn't care, that you had, you know, $3,000 to fix it up, and you went in as far as you could. No. So, well, listen, Alex, I appreciate you coming on the show today to kind of chat with me here about this. Do you have, is there anything that we missed? Is there anything that you think that uh, should have been said? Anything else you wanted to contribute? I can't think of anything. But, you know, it'll be one of those situations that as soon as you sign off, it'll be like, you know what, we didn't talk about this because, you know, I've been on some radio shows before and I'm always driving home and I'm like, oh, I should have said, said that. But, you know, that's yeah. what... Um, and you'll put it out there, and if it comes to me, I'll make a comment on the sure. blog or something like that. But this is a good topic. Uh, well, it's 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 an it's an important one, just because, like I said, you know, number one, I don't think a lot of investors, especially new, you know, newer investors, a lot of them don't really understand what actually goes into a renovation. Yeah. They have they have no idea. Um, but you know, that's why I felt it was important to put this together so that you know they could kind of see number one, here's here's a lot of the types of products that we put in. Here's what things cost. Um, if somebody were trying to uh, cut down on the rehab costs a little bit, you know, um, this is how somebody could do it if they want, if that particular person wanted to or not. We don't like to. I mean, I don't know about you, Alex, but you know, when we, when we're renovating the home and I and I see what our our budget is for a, a specific home, I'm looking at it and I'm trying to think how can I spend the absolute most within my budget to get the biggest bang. And I know there's probably some people out there who are trying to think of a way to do as little as humanly possible to... Well, they are. Um, and, you know, not getting off topic too much, yeah. but that's where Little Rock has been fantastic for us because, you know, we're bringing a business model that didn't exist in Little Rock. And most of the rental homes look like family member passed away. 
or went to the retirement home, didn't know how to sell the house, or family thought, you know, why don't we rent this out? And it looks like it was updated sometime, like right after uh, Richard Nixon resigned this presidency. <laughs> so, you know, and then we come in, we've done the granite countertops and vinyl plank flooring. We've even done some tile black splashes. Um, we're getting like 100 to 150 more home in Little Rock. And, you know, we, we say this, and, you know, sometimes you think that, like, I wonder if people are just thinking that I'm saying this just because it sounds like a good sales pitch, but. Literally, we're renting the houses out faster than we're renovating. We're renting them out before we're done with the rehab. And I was just in Little Rock on Monday. And I walked in, and I was like, God, you know, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, we got the tenant moving in today. I'm like, are you serious? You know, so literally uh-huh. they're moving in, and we're, they're finishing up and scrambling them because there's like 20 guys over there. And I'm thinking, well, how are we fitting in the budget if we've got 20 guys over here? But th- that was the reason why. Sure. Um, sure. I guess the other thing um, – just to touch on is, um, you know, like I said, as turnkey providers, I think, you know, you're you were saying earlier that you don't want to just, you know, saying like you're you're talking down or saying that somebody doesn't know what they're talking about. But as turnkey providers, a lot of people come to us and they haven't been in, you know, they're they're just getting started in real estate. Very rarely do we get a guy that's got a portfolio of forty homes. Sure, it's somebody that's just getting started and he's building his little portfolio. So. They've done their due diligence. They've read some books, gone to seminars. But, you know, you really don't learn anything until you do it. And the turnkey provider responsibility is to educate them on the process, the way of doing business, because it's a marriage. You know, we're marrying these clients with 30-year mortgages. So we want to make sure that they're comfortable with doing business with us. Sure. And But we do need to educate them because sometimes, like you said, they're looking tunnel vision, 20% return, and not thinking of some things. And once you buy the house and you put your 20% down, then anything else you're doing, it's coming out of your pocket. Correct. And the idea of these homes is you put your 20% down through your turnkey provider or your cash flow on day one, and that property becomes self-sustaining, meaning you're not going back into your pocket. And if you mm-hmm. cut corners, I guarantee you. It's not an if, it's I guarantee it's you. when. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, you you with your 20% down, do you have the, the, the provider include things like you mentioned earlier, the new roof, the new HVC, is that included in the price, though you're paying a little bit more for it uh-huh. with your example, uh, because, you know, once you put your 20% down, you didn't necessarily save that much. It's like, okay, you saved $2,000 on your down payment, uh, but in five years, you're going to have $10,000 out of your pocket. It's like, yeah. that's a, that does not make any sense. No, uh, it doesn't. You know, like I said, we're, we've got to educate. And yeah, I know we've talked about this before that you know, basically the, our companies are extensions of the way we do our own homes. Correct. And all I'm doing is passing on what I've learned because I got started out in 2007. I made mistakes and the piper came and bit me. And now everything that I buy now and have been for the last several years, we're just doing it. We're running our turnkey company the way we are as successful investors here. And I know we've talked about how sometimes you kind of take a little bit maybe too personal when someone's disagreeing or says they want that. And you just want to say, just listen to me. I know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, we're just, you know, hillbillies from the south. Hey. And, you know, indoor plumbing was developed for us for like 30 years ago. So <laughs> I always tell my clients that and they joke. But Oh, know, it's, uh, it's, that's not as bad when I tell people I'm from South Dakota. The whole thing is, is. Does everybody live in teepees up there? Do you, do you guys do you guys have electricity or running water? It's like, well, there's a lot of corn. Yeah, there's a lot of corn. Or I say, hey, you know, we've had indoor plumbing for you know 50 years, and 
Tennessee, and but you know we're we're way ahead of Mississippi. That's still trying to figure it out. But and, and no disrespect to people in Mississippi, uh, love my Mississippi friends. Good stuff. Well, listen, Alex, I appreciate you coming on the show again today. I'm sure we'll do many uh, in the future. But um, any parting words? Um, no, um, go invest. Invest wisely and smartly. That's right. Do your due diligence. So Just do uh, it. That's the thing. Just yeah, do it. The most important thing is, that, yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's going to conclude this episode of Investor Talk Radio. Until the next time, we'll see you then. This show was produced by Kurt Davis and KurtDavisOnline.com. All rights reserved. To reach Kurt Davis, you can find him on the web at www.KurtDavisOnline.com or email him at Kurt at KurtDavisOnline.com. Everything you heard on this show should not be taken as personal or professional advice. You should conduct your own due diligence. Opinions or comments of our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Kurt Davis or KurtDavisOnline.com. 